being said, um, we're going to get to the topic today. Uh, the sermon title is The Impending Conflict. Um, and, and so uh, one of the things about this message for everybody that's here, I need you to understand that I have been preaching on uh, things that have been going through history. We have been looked at, at things that happened in recent history. So some of them was thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago. Some of them was, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Now we're dealing with things that have happened in the past, that are happening today, and that will happen in the future, which is why it's called the impending conflict. I am going to, however, invite you to pray with me before we get to the word today. Let us go ahead and pray. Father God, we are so grateful for your love and your mercies and everything that you've done for us. But Lord, at this moment, now that we are in this portion of today's service, I'm imploring you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that it be you speaking and not I, and always, 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 that we can be receptive to your message, especially today, that we can be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so, Lord, we are looking forward to seeing your glory be manifested as we go through the scriptures today. May your word speak. We ask this humbly in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the impending conflict, let me tell you, bottom line, um, I'm going, it's going to be dealing with the commandments of God and the word of God. Okay? Uh, some messages ago, there was a, mess, a sermon entitled, for those who are on YouTube and Facebook, you can look at the archives, you guys here can, can go look at it. It was God's law immutable, and I talked about that. I also ha had a chance to talk before about um, the conflict between uh, men and Satan, and he's out to get us, and I preached about that. All of that has contributed to what we're doing today. So today I'm not going to talk about the individual commandments per se. There's a whole other sermon that, that talks about that and its importance. But here's what I need you to understand about the commandments. This is something that, that, that came to mind that I used to think about, especially when I was a teenager. Those of you that know me enough know that I have worked multiple jobs since I was 11 years old, always had two or three jobs. It is only when I became a pastor that I've only held one job as a pastor. Of course, that involves a whole bunch of other stuff. Anyways, but during the summers, years ago, 80 pounds ago, when I used to be a lifeguard, I used to also, so I used to lifeguard during the school year, but during summertime, um, because it was an indoor pool in New Jersey, I used to also work at a mechanic shop. Amazing friend of mine, he died way too young, had a surgery, had a blood clot, you know, breaks my heart. His son and I are, are just best friends, we hang out. Um, and everything else. I'm actually going to be staying at his house in a couple of weeks. But anyhow, Johnny, lo lo love him uh, uh, amazingly, you know, um, but he's a jokester, you know, and, and, and I remember um, how, how much fun we had in the mechanic shop whenever we had, like, new employees, and he would send them to the auto parts store to go find headlight fluid or windshield wiper. Uh, windshield wiper sharpeners or, or, or things like that. And, and so they would literally go to the parts store. I'm looking for the fluid for the headlights and I'm looking for a sharpener for the windshield wipers. And, you know, we'll just have a laugh because they'll be there for hours and then they'll call. And, and you know, uh, not everybody has cell phones at the time. Yes, kids, back in the day, it was like two or three dollars a minute. It was like 30 cents a text message. And it wasn't until nine o'clock that you got a limited time to call and talk to people. So, so not everybody on a cell phone and they will come back from the store and we would just have a laugh 
at the expense of the poor kid going to get some kind of fluid for the headlights or some kind of sharpeners. Imagine if you sharpen your, your windshield wipers, what it would do to your windshield. I mean, and, and so, so it, it was, we had a laugh. It was fun. But when it comes to the commandments of God, do you think that God is like Johnny? Do you think that God is sitting there in heaven so, you know, keep my commandments? <laughs> Looking at silly people. They just, they're, they're trying. And they're, <laughs> when are they going to realize that we tricked them? This is not how God works. Look at the first text for today. Look what it says in John 14, 15. It says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. First of all, understand something that this is how we show our love to God. If we know him and we trust him and we love him, we will keep his commandments. It is not like you have to, you know, like parents do with their kids, because I said so. No, no. If you love me, keep my commandments. Not only that, the commandments are so important that they seem, according to the scriptures, and I use the word seem just because I want you to understand, you know, but it seems like it's important even in the end times. Look at Revelation 12, 17. Says the following, and the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Apparently, the description of the people who the devil is mad at, and I say the devil, even though it says dragon, uh, uh, go to the next text real quick. Um, this is uh, verse 9, just a few verses earlier. So that great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. In case you don't know who the dragon was, who deceives the whole world, he cast to the earth, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. When he was cast out, now this dragon, this devil, is upset at God's people who keeps the commandments and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That seems to be the biblical criteria as we see who is in enmity with the devil. So there, are, there I say that if you're not keeping the commandments of God, you are not in enmity with the devil, but perhaps amicable, amity, friendly, in partnership, aligned. Because you realize there's only two sides. And so that seems to be the description in Revelation dealing with the end time people. Look at this quote from the Great Controversy, page 582. It says the following, from the very beginning of the great controversy in heaven, it has been Satan's purpose to overthrow the law of God. It was to accomplish this that he entered upon his rebellion against the creator. And though he was cast out of heaven, he has continued the same warfare upon the earth to deceive men and thus lead them to transgress God's law is the object which he has steadfastly pursued, whether it's to be accomplished by casting aside the law altogether or by rejecting one of his precepts, the result will be ultimately the same. And so this is something that you need to understand. Some people dismiss the word of God completely, the law of God. Some people follow nine out of the ten commandments. Some people are almost there. You know from a few weeks ago, what happened with Cain? He built the altar just like Abel. Everything looked the same except one minor detail, the sacrifice upon the altar. And I tell you something else. Us humans, we categorize sin. Nothing wrong with a little bit of adultery or affair, but no, I would never commit murder. Nothing wrong with, with, with a little bit of, of, of lying or, 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 or stealing, but, you know, you, you, you must honor God. Like, in the sight of God... 
You break one, you're guilty of them all. Look at James 2.10. Look what it says. James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of what? Of all. He is guilty of all. And this is something that the word of God indicates. Now, I don't want you thinking like, great, he's going to be preaching a sermon that must be perfect, obedient, perfect, obedient, perfect, obedient. I'm not, I'm not saying that you need to now with your own might and power achieve this. But what I'm saying is that as the Bible describes God's people, they keep the commandments and also understand something. And I'm going to reiterate that in a little bit. But understand something. The commandments are about the God who said. And so with my kids, do I want my kids to obey and disobey to the leader? Or do I expect obedience from them? Now, of course, because I am not the God of heaven, I, it's like because I said so. Otherwise, boy, whoo, you know, you're gonna, you know, you, you better listen, you know. But God's pleased with you if you love me. Keep my commandments. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you? I mean, so, so the Lord is pleading with you, and, and, and he wants you to do it as a demonstration of love. Another text from Revelation 14, if you study Revelation, you look at prophecy, Revelation 14, 12, again, gives the criteria of those who endure. But look what it calls it. Here is the patience of the saints. There's a long suffering there. There's a patience there because you're not going to be like this overnight. You're still going to struggle. Let me tell you this. I, I, I do marriage counseling. I've been doing it since, since the 1999 uh, before I even became a pastor because I was a therapist in New Jersey. But anyways, the point is I have heard it many times in my office. We have never considered divorce. Murder, yes, but divorce, never. You know, and, and, and so, so be patient. You're, you're not going to be there yet, little by little, but here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep what? The commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Understand that it is not a matter of what, but who. The commandments don't matter. Whatever. Forget about them, right? But who is the Lord that gave the commandments. Who was the Lord that even though the entire scriptures were inspired, he made it a point to write with his own finger this commandments. Notice everything knows. I had a dream. The Holy Spirit spoke through me. And the Holy Spirit spoke through man as though they were moved by one spirit. That's what the word of God says. But yet for the commandments, he took time to write it himself. Like, no, no, I'll, I'll do this. And when Moses got angry because God wasn't finished with him yet and broke the tablets, cut out some tablets and I'll write it again. And, and, you know, this is what he did. But understand that it is not about the commandments. It's about what doth saith the Lord. And if your father in heaven says that I don't want you to kill because I want you to value life the way that I value life. If it says I don't want you to steal because I want you to be honest like I am. If it says that you shall not have any other gods before me, it's because there are no other gods. Humans are so silly, they go out there, they cut a piece of wood, carve it out into a god, and then they start praying to their own creation and say, my own creation, please watch over me, oh god of wood. What? I mean, this is what we do. And so, so the commandments aren't bad for you. I yearn to be in a world where my children can just go roam the streets again and I'm not worried about anything happening to them because, you know, Florida is like pedophile central, you know. And, and so, so I wish they wouldn't like steal my kids and there was no sexual immoralities and other things like that. I wish. They're not bad for you. 
Great controversy, 583. Look what it says. In rejecting the truth, man rejects his author. In trampling upon the law of God, they deny the authority of the love giver, of the lawgiver. It is easy to make an idol of false doctrines and theories as to fashion an idol of wood or stone by misrepresenting the attributes of God. Satan leads men to conceive of him a false character. With many, a philosophical idol is enthroned in the place of Jehovah, while the living God, as he is revealed in his word, in Christ, and in the works of creation, is worshipped but by but few. Thousands deify nature while they deny the God of nature. Though in a direct, different form, idolatry exists in the Christian world today as verily as it existed among ancient Israel in the days of Elijah. The God of many professedly wise men of philosophers, poets, politicians, journalists, the God of polished fashionable uh, circles of many colleges and universities, even of some Theological institutions is little better than Baal, the sun god of Phoenicia. And, and so we are seeing that. Do you understand? And, and so what happens, what happens is that we begin to doubt the commandments, starts there, and then you go to doubting the word of God, to doubting God altogether. Suppose the following. Right now, you know, we had an amazing 4th of July uh, event here um, in our church, it was like a fair. There were stuff and activities. We had a blast. We had like 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 three hundred and some change or something like that. There was a lot of people that flowed through here. It, it it was wonderful. And you know, proud to be an American. You know, you know, I I I I bleed red, white, and blue. And you know, we have that right, right? Hmm. Now imagine that I stand here in the pulpit, or any other preacher stands in the pulpit. And begins to say, forget the government. Stop following the laws. Go, let's go rob a bank. Come on, let's go. Ah. How long do you think that minister can remain on the pulpit crying out against the rules and regulations of the local government? It wouldn't be long, would it? Then why is it okay for ministers to stand in the pulpit and preach against the law and the government of God? Come on now. I mean, you have to understand that, you know, whenever the divine precepts, the law of God is rejected, sin, sin ceases to appear sinful and righteousness desirable. I mean, this is like, this is like the equivalent of one of my issues with cologne, right? Because uh, my kids would tell you, I am deaf. That's why I talk so loud, you know. I'm blind and, and, and sometimes I can't hear. Unless or smell, unless I turn the volume down on the radio, like it doesn't smell like fire. Hold on, let me turn off the radio. Yeah, I could smell better now. Apparently, you know. Uh, so, so what happens is with cologne. When it comes to cologne, right? Um, I, I put cologne on because you know I, I want to smell good. You know, you know me. I always got breath mist and things because I do garlic, but I don't want my breath to be hot when I say to people Happy Sabbath. You know, and and that's why I switched my name to Joey instead of Jose because I don't be like Hi, I'm Jose. You know, it's just it just doesn't work, right? Um, but, 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 but what happens when you switch to a new cologne, after a while, you don't even realize the smell. Like, you know what? I don't think it smells. Let me put more. I had a church member in St. Pete. I won't say his name because he's visited here before. But he says like, that I smell like one of those French lady of the night. He didn't use the word lady of the night. When he smells like, he was like, Pastor Jay, I need to tell you, you smell like one of those French ladies of the night. And I'm like, oh. And he used... Chico English for that. And I said, okay. 
So I need to like tone it down. Now I need to count whether I smell it or not. You know, one, two, three, four. That's enough. You know, because unless it's a new cologne, I don't even know that I smell like cologne anymore. And, and you, you, you just got accustomed to it. Do you know that sin is like that? At first it's weird. Like, wow, I, I really, mm, wow. And then after a while, you don't even realize that you are basking in it. And that's how it functions. You know, you, you, you become desensitized. And this is why it's so crucial to uphold the law of God because it's the word of God, it's the commandments of God. And you begin to doubt all of these things if you don't do that. So if you sow disobedience, you will reap disobedience. You, you reap what you sow. So it is important that we understand this and we cannot allow this to be preached from the pulpits. If it's not written in the word of God or it goes against the word of God, there's a problem. Great controversy, 585. Look what it says. Already the doctrine that men are released from obedience to God's requirements has weakened the force of moral obligation and opened the floodgates of iniquity upon the world. Lawlessness, dissipation, and corruption are sweeping in upon us like an overwhelming tide. In the family, Satan is at work. His banner waves even in professedly Christian households. There is envy, evil surmising, hypocrisy, estrangement, emulation, strife, betrayal of sacred trust, indulgence of loss, the whole system of religious principles and doctrines which should form the foundation and framework of social life seems to be a tottering mass ready to fall to ruin. The vilest of criminals, when thrown into prison for their offenses, are often made the recipients of gifts and attention as if they had attained an enviable distinction. Great publicity is given to their character and crime. The press publishes the revolting details of vice, thus initiating in others into the practice of fraud, robbery, and murder. And Satan exults in the success of his hellish schemes. The infatuation of vice, the wanton taking of life, the terrible increase of intemperance and iniquity of every order and degree should arouse all who fear God to inquire what can be done to stay the tide of evil. Now, I want you to know this book, The Great Controversy, was written in uh, the late uh, 1800s, and it was revised in the early 1900s. So you have to understand, over 100 years ago, this was an issue. You know, I'm not going to talk about all of y'all who love watching all these crime shows and get all, you know, excited about what's going on there. But this is a very biblical thing. We, 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 we crave it. We desire it. We get excited. Some get inspired, you know. And, and, and so you see the evil that is happening in this world. And it stems, and it stems from violating the law of God. One of the commandments, so important, is the fourth commandment, the seventh day Sabbath. Why? Because the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why does it say remember? Because in the beginning, when God created the world, he set that day aside. This is why we say happy Sabbath here, because it's a day of rejoicing. But here's what happens. When it's given in the Ten Commandments in Exodus, it says remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why? Because in six days, the Lord created and it's talking about creation. If we had a weekly appointment with our creator, we wouldn't be living out there as though we had no God. Neglecting the seventh-day Sabbath has strayed people away from the Lord. And we've gotten into trouble. Look at this uh, 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 
prophetic text from Isaiah 59, 14. Look what it says there in Isaiah 59, 14. Our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. That's not only happening outside the church, that's happening inside the church. We are seeing more than anything where all of these things are completely twisted. Truth doesn't matter. I preached a couple of weeks ago about hell and immortality of the soul where people think that my God, my loving God, is tormenting people forever. That's nowhere in the Bible. Then we look at the commandments with other gods. I mean, there's so many out there and they're worshiping and doing all these things. Idols, we've even removed the second commandment so we could pray to saints and all these other people that are not God. And then, of course, the Sabbath. And so I have to tell you, it's kind of easy when stuff is bad outside of the church. But do you know that it is hard many times to tell the difference between people in the church and people outside of the church? And this is a problem. If you remember when I told you the history of, of paganism and Christianity, how it joined together, how at one point it was pagans versus Christians. But then later, because Constantine wanted to blend the two, now it was Christians versus Christians, and he made it hard. I shared you before, when my son went to a public school last year, and my daughter's going to go this year in a couple of weeks, how, how in some ways I was praying, praying for them, but in other ways I was sort of happy because when they're in a public school, they know to test everything. They know that they're in a territory where they can't trust everything that comes out of the mouth of the teachers or their friends in school. But when they're going to a Christian school and it's Christian teachers and Christian students and the teachers or the students maybe are not quite walking right with God, it's easy for them to buy into this under the umbrella of a Christian school. Does that make sense? It's hard to tell. And the same thing happens in our churches when we do things in the name of Jesus. I struggle with that. I really, really struggle with that. And so we have to be able to discern. i tell you something else. You know, we are working at SNL. I don't know if they, 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 they shared it yet. I, I, had to, I had to go potty in the announcement because I, 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 drink, I, I drink lots of water. This is my second one today, you know. And, and so uh, anyways, uh, so, so I don't know if he said it or not, but SNL, they're doing some community service work, right? And part of the work is that we're going to be going to, uh, to the streets and not only feed the homeless folks, but also provide showers. We got the shower trailer in the back. It's going to be wonderful. But when we're there, we're going to have to partner with other religions and other community entities because there are needs beyond our ability to provide and meet. And we got to partner up. There is nothing wrong with working and joining forces to meet the needs of the community however do not confuse serving together with letting them share with us and us buying into their twisted views of the character of God a misconception of God who tortures people in hell or who does other things, you know, because remember, God wants you to love him. He gives you choice. This whole thing, repent or burn, you know, that's not, uh, my, my God doesn't want you to do it out of fear. Listen, I, I was afraid of my dad, but he had to work every day. So I knew that I could do whatever I wanted up until like an hour before. And as long as I changed how I behave, mama didn't tell dad anything. And it was all good. You know, she would threaten, but then, you know, she kind of just let it be. You know, fear only works when they're around. 
And so you should want to be in eternity with God, not that you say, well, let me do this because I don't want to burn. He wants you to serve him out of love, not out of fear. But this is what we do. So when we work with other people who preach other things that goes against the word of God, we can serve with them. But our job is to inspire them to view and see in us who God really is and his character versus the other way around, buying into or finding compromise in the things that we do. Does that make sense? Great Controversy 587. But the fact that a movement to establish error is connected with a work which is in itself good is not an argument in favor of the error. We may disguise poison by mingling into ho with wholesome food, but we do not change its nature. On the contrary, it is rendered more dangerous as it is more likely to be taken unawares. It is one of Satan's devices to combine with falsehoods just enough truth to give a plausibility. The leaders of the Sunday movement may advocate reforms which the people need, principles which are in harmony with the Bible. Yet, while there is with this a requirement which is contrary to God's law, his servants cannot unite with them. Nothing can justify them in setting aside the commandments of God for the precepts of man. This is what did the people of Israel in, and this is what is going to do the people of God in, unless we understand this. Isaiah 24.4, followed by verse 5. Isaiah 24.4 says, The earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth languish. Verse 5, The earth is also defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. We see the same thing in a whole other scenario in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 and 18. Look what it says. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Verse 18. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. You know, we often, this is not the first time we see people blaming God's people or God for bad things. You know, I say it all of the time from here because the first time I did a house insurance and, and it says, you know, against acts of God, this is how much you're covered. I'm like, what, what did God have to do with that? But, but, you know, we blame God for everything. So here you have Elijah being blamed. It's like, no, no, you brought this upon yourself. Like me when I got that speeding ticket. Why God? Well, who told you to speed? I, I haven't gotten a speeding ticket in a while, but, but, but I used to, you know. Uh, great controversy, 590. Look what it says. The miracle working power manifested through spiritualism will exert its influence against those who choose to obey God rather than men. Communication from the spirits will declare that God has sent them to convince the rejecters of Sunday of their error, affirming that the laws of the land should be obeyed as the law of God. They will lament the great wickedness in the world and second the testimony of religious teachers that the, the degraded state of morals is caused by the desecration of Sunday. Great will be the indignation excited against all who refuse to accept their testimony. This is a prophecy here found in the book Great Controversy. For those who are at home and those here who may not know, the author of this book is a lady by the name of Ellen White. Ellen White, let me tell you this, let me tell you two things about her, and, and, and I want you to hear me clearly. And those who are hardcore Adventists, please don't stone me or beat me off after church. But let me tell you something about, about this. In the Bible, we are warned to beware of false prophets and false teachers. And 
we're also told that towards the end times, you know, prophecy will rise. People are going to be professing, even our children, young men and daughters and old men will have visions and dreams and all of that. Ellen White was a lady which, um, you know, she was a prophet in, in the uh, 1800s, right around the 1840s, 1850s, very prominent towards the 1880s, 1890s, and right at 1915 she died. And, and so anyhow, I have put this lady to the test. Because I'm as skeptical as it gets, especially with my family. Listen, Puerto Rican people be rolling deep. I got 20 aunts and uncles in, in my dad's side, 15 in my stepdad, 11 in my mom's. And, and so I got tons of cousins and hundreds of them. And they're all from every denomination you can imagine. So if there's anybody skeptical about religion, denominations, prophets, and it, 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 it's this guy. And I put her to the test, and she met all 10 biblical tests of a true prophet. Not only that... 100% of her prophecies so far have come true. She predicted World War I and World War II. She predicted the Oklahoma City bombing and many other things. If you don't know about Ellen White, you can study her, research her, put her to the test. She's predicting this that hasn't happened yet, which is why I'm sharing extra quotes today when I usually do. But I will also tell you something else about Ellen White, and then we'll move on and wrap it up. Is that all right? Can we do that? Is that she said when she came on board, okay, that there would be no need for her if people simply read the word of God. Some of you don't even know, you know, about the Bible. I love joking with people. Like I'll say things like, oh, it's in the book of Jericho, Jericho chapter 3, verse 15. And some of them don't even realize that I'm joking. Like, really? Does it say that? Dude, there's no book of Jericho in the Bible, you know. And, and, and so they don't even realize it. You don't even open your Bibles. She said, look, I am a lesser light pointing to a greater light. All I'm doing is this. Don't use me like an ultimate authority. I'm pointing to the ultimate authority, which is the word of God. So the beautiful thing is that you don't have to believe anything that Ellen White says. Yes, I'm saying that. Don't stole me. I got you. You know, I'm packing, by the way. We'll, we'll talk. You know, I mean, but, 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 but the idea is you do owe it to God to test the system, and you do owe it to God to go to the Word and verify what is being said. So, yes, I do believe in her. I put her to the test, and I am confident in who she is. But I am telling you from her own words, if you read your Bible, there will be no need for me. Does that make sense? And even though 100% of her prophecies have come true so far, you can still doubt if you want because everything that she's saying is still shown in Revelation as it describes the end times. But I will show you the last two quotes of this part of her prophecy and then we'll, we'll hit the word of God. Is that all right? Can we do that? Great Controversy, page 591. God never forces the will or the conscience, but Satan's constant resort to gain control of those whom he cannot otherwise seduce is compulsion by cruelty. Through fear or force, he endeavors to rule the conscience and to secure homage to himself. To accomplish this, he works through both religious and secular authorities, moving them to the enforcement of human laws in defiance of the law of God. So in other words, if the devil can't seduce you to do this stuff, he's going to then scare you into it. And he's going to use both leaders in the church as well as authorities in the secular world to get you to turn away from God. Have we not seen some of that already? Did we not see it also in Bible times? Nebuchadnezzar, I blow the horn, bow down to the image, you know, all of this. We've seen that, and we're going to see it again. Page 592 continues. 
Those who honor the Bible Sabbath will be denounced as enemy of, the, of law and order, as breaking down the moral restraints of society, causing anarchy and corruption, and calling down the judgments of God upon the earth. Again, they're blaming God's people. Their conscientious scruples will be pronounced obstinacy, stubbornness, and contempt of authority. They will be accused of disaffection towards the government. Ministers who deny the obligation of the divine law will present them from the pulpit the duty of yielding obedience to the civil authorities as ordained of God in legislative halls and courts of justice. Commandment keepers will be misrepresented and condemned. Now, this is the prophecy. But even if you don't believe in the sister or what the sister has to say, understand that per the word of God, this is an impending, soon-coming conflict. Last text for today, which was the second text for today, Revelation 12, 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. We've studied here before, the dragon is the devil, the woman is you, God's church. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Let us go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you. And we are so grateful for your love, your love and, and your, your biblical truths and, and your patience with us and your grace. We studied this morning in our Sabbath school about your grace and, and how wonderful it is. But Father God, as we accept your grace, as we accept your love from the Sabbath school this morning, not from the sermon, we learned that we have to share that love with others, meet their needs. If they're hungry, if they're thirsty, if they're sick, if they're in prison, we will go and, and, and care for them because that's what you ask us to do as a demonstration of love. And we also see in Revelation, as we're looking towards the end times, that your people are set aside by two particular things, their trust, their faith, the testimony of Jesus, and the fact that they're keeping your commandments. Father God, help us, help us in our journey towards obedience. Not because we're scared or afraid that we're going to burn. No, 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 no. But because we love you. But how can we love you unless we know you? So please reveal your glory to us and come into our hearts and come into our lives and work in us and through us for the benefit of all. I ask this humbly in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll invite you, if you can, if you're able to, stand. Otherwise, you can remain sitting as we sing our closing song.